Well, always ready, Emma. Why don't you introduce this show? Hello and welcome to Punk Goes Pod, the internet's only podcast that chronicles Fearless Records' Punk Goes Ellipses series to answer the age-old question, hell yeah or yeah nah. Wow, we're at a point where Sam can do like hand gestures to like mimic along with what I'm saying. I'm not doing it to like... I'm no, not you're do- not making fun. No, but it's like, oh yeah. Before we get any further into this nonsense, welcome back, Richard S. Hey, it's been too long. Glad to be back. Airhorn. It's been about six episodes. That's too long. Mm. It is too long. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, just feel does October feel like the longest month of this year? Where are we at? October seventeenth. Yeah. Feels like it's been October for like five months. I mean, not for me because I haven't been at work, but yeah. This is true. Uh, Richard, how is lockdown treating you? How is life treating you? Right now, okay. I mean, this week has just been characterized by a lot of waiting for approval and things. So ne- next week will be more newsworthy, I'm sure. It actually turned out to be a better day than... It was a little bit shitty earlier on. Mm. But um, yeah. it was going to be very fitting if it was a really rainy day because we are today talking about... Rihanna's umbrella as covered by All Time Low for Punk Goes Crunk. No clouds in my stones. Let it rain, I hide your plane in the bank. Coming down at the Dow Jones. When the clouds can we go? We Rockefeller, we fly higher than weather, and cheap lives are better. You know me. In anticipation for precipitation, stack chips with a rainy day. Jay, rain man is back with little Miss Sunshine. Rihanna, where you at? You have my heart, and we'll never be worlds apart. Maybe in magazines, but you still be my star. Baby, cause in the dark, you can't see shiny cars. Yes, uh, if you are having issues with the Punk Goes Crunk series, maybe go back to our Kryptonite episode and we discuss that very issue. <laughs> yeah, forward all yeah. grievances to us because we want to hear from people that they're actually listening as well. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we have the same issue and we addressed it. Mm-hmm. So, And if, you, if you're thinking, what issue? Well, listen to that episode and you'll find out. Ah. <laughs> this is like... I feel like this is the most eye contact we've ever done during a recording. Yeah. Speak for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow, uh, Richard is making eye contact with me right now. Richard's like sitting in his car down the street. (laughs) I'm trying. (laughs) 
if, like last week we did a pod like last week's episode i was literally facing you but i don't know why it just feels like this week is like intense eye contact it reminds me of like that psychological trick that you always see on like reddit they're like if you want to have like a talk about something difficult with your partner like sit next to them so like a car ride because it's sort of an intimate position and like so it's sort of like that balance of like can't escape versus mm, yeah it feels less confrontational maybe it's because we're sitting on a 90 degree angle mm, yeah feels a bit more intimate than like across the table it's definitely a bit weird but yeah i mean <laughs> start up a difficult conversation with someone who can't leave because they're in a car (laughs) whatever works honestly or yeah sit next to your boss if you're expecting to receive bad news because they'll feel worse about giving it to you (laughs) just like lounge next to them you know yeah like extend yourself on the couch or whatever like hey what's up (laughs) resplendent (laughs) we say that as sam has literally just done that next to me on our couch very nice (laughs) he's emotionally i don't know i'm uh, i'm kind of doing that bit from um that jeff goldblum bit from i think it's jurassic park uh, yes yeah yeah shirtless <laughs> and all yeah i've got the body like jeff as well <laughs> don't we all at the moment honestly <laughs> shredded <laughs> great cheese on my ass honestly and by body like jeff i mean my dad jeff Aww. I no, I shouldn't even say that he's he's healthier than I am and has a you know he has a better body than I do. I'm gonna say it. Before we go any further down that route, let's talk about Rihanna. Yes, shall I hey, do my hey. intro? Please. Semi off the cuff. All right, feel free to interrupt and jump in. So, Rihanna, born in 1988 in Barbados. Uh, born Robin Rihanna Fenty, um, yeah. which always makes me wonder, you know, if there wasn't already a pop star called Robin, would she be called Robin? She, I never considered that. No, neither did I. Because Robin was already a thing in... Oh, she was a yeah. thing in the 90s. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, Rihanna never went by her middle name, like, and apparently also doesn't with her friends, so... So she's just Robin to everyone. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. There you go. I wonder go. what happened when she met Robin. I'm sure, I'm sure they've crossed paths. Yeah, I wonder. One Robin leaves. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. please continue, Richard. Um, sorry, I'm actually going to switch headphones because this is giving me too much, like, uh, in-ear, like, bone feedback, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's okay. So it's being weird. Hold on. Shall we just vamp while he's doing this? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I started... I'm just like, taking this super cash today. I love it. Hey. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, it's... I feel like it's a good cash song, though. Yeah. yeah. I want to give this episode justice because, spoiler I... alert, both of them rock all kinds of butt. But cash mm. can be good. Cash doesn't necessarily Definitely. mean lazy. Cash could be comfortable, and if you're comfortable, then you could be producing your best stuff. I've already had a uh, white wine. Um, nice. What? <laughs> Every time you have a glass of wine on this podcast, you feel the need to <laughs> inform the audience that you have had wine. And you've removed my glass. <laughs> yes, to get the last drop of it into my glass. <laughs> a free drink. Yeah, exactly. 
Anyway, I'm back. I just switched from in-ear to over-ear headphones because the in-ears were... My skull was conducting too much sound as I spoke, so I was, like, tripping out. (laughs) The vibrations in your skull. (laughs) Yeah, legit. Yeah. I'm back. So, Rihanna sang in high school with an all-girl trio. She was discovered by producer and songwriter Evan Rogers, whose wife is Bajan. Um, He was on a trip to Barbados, obviously, Mm -hmm. and... um, he would later co-write Ponder Replay, Shut Up and Drive, and more for her. Mm-hmm. Um, Rihanna auditioned for Jay-Z and, De- and Def Jam Records in New York in 2005. Their record exec, L.A. Reid, infamously told Jay not to let her leave the room until she signed a contract with them, which is um, not, not, as, not as funny a story as it was made out to be in the past. <laughs> It definitely um, feels like a story that hasn't aged well at all. No, and I could see them in 2005, like, laughing about it. Like, even her, like, ah, yeah, they said, like, don't let her leave until she signs the contract. It's so funny. Yeah. Also, I believe she was, let me check. I think she That'd was be 17 it? at the time, yeah, I would say. No, 17, probably, yeah. That's problematic. Um... But yeah, she found pretty much instant success. Her debut single, Upon the Replay, reached number two on the Billboard Hot 100. SOS, which was the first from her second album, hit number one. So very, very immediate. Oh, so sick. It's sort of like when you mention that, it's like it's more and more of her hits are coming into my brain as well. Like like then Disturbia was there and um, yeah, like Shut Up and Drive. It's like... She has like a like a shitload of you know really popular songs. Yeah, yeah. It's like a super versatile one where like even if you're a casual listener, like you've heard so much more than you realize. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I've been I've been banging on about this for years, but I think she needs to release a two disc greatest hits oh with a re recorded version of Umbrella. That is my very strong opinion. Um, especially because she's been away from music full-time for like about four going on five years now since anti came out in yeah. 2016 and she kind of reinvented herself with that like that album had a really long lifespan but i am wondering like there's going to be kids soon who like don't have a strong memory of rihanna as like a current hit maker so yeah mm. we're going we to need something soon it's funny like i've always taken for granted that she is just in the background of music culture but you're right like it has been a hot minute since anti so yeah and like she sort of keeps hinting at music but then i think that's more just the fans getting a bit hysteric about it yeah Yeah. like they're always like yo drop the album and she's just like no (laughs) (laughs) which is such a boss move but um yeah like it makes perfect sense that she's been focusing on like Fenty Industries and everything like that, but like, yeah, it just it only literally occurred to me as you told me, Richard. Like, she has been out of the spotlight in a musical sense for quite a while. Wasn't she dating a Sheik's son as well for a while? Yeah. Oh, wow. Not the Iron Sheik, of course. <laughs> Is that a wrestling reference? Yes. You son of a bitch, but not really. You know, we could have just moved on, and then you asked. Well, I. 
Bear with us, listener. Sam is wriggling around. I have got the uncomps today. <laughs> Alright, so, Sam, you have added in some dot points of your own here. Shall we talk about them before we get into the song itself? I, yeah, so these, these are all like, don't take any of this seriously. This is all just, uh, well, it's not tongue-in-cheek so much, but it's um, it's very much, I love a good conspiracy theory. Like, some of them, a lot of them are fun. Some of them can be downright dangerous, like, mm. you know, QAnon. QAnon, vaccinate your kids, for yeah. one thing. Like, vaccines don't cause autism. You're just an idiot. You're selfish. Get your kids vaccinated. Um, but, like, it's it's sort of like, you know, like Elvis isn't dead. Elvis is on an island somewhere. Like that sort of thing. I always just think is kind of funny. The um, um there, there's like sometimes interesting kind of underlying reasons why people think that. Like it can be fun to examine that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just on a quick tangent, there's um there's a mockumentary. Let me look up the name. Uh, as I type loudly. I love this. The listener is just getting a full, but like. Uh, it just, it sort of reminds me of like an adult swim thing where like on set, but then you see everything in between. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like a vaguely unsettling episode. You're welcome. But while you're looking into that, I'll say like why I'm looking into, like it just sort of dawned on me this morning. I remembered working with a guy when I worked in a bottle shop. And this was, I probably, this was probably like seven years ago. And he was convinced that Rihanna was a, like a goat demon. Right. Um, because there is a bit in the Umbrella film clip where she pulls a pose that's like, apparently a human being can't pull it, but obviously they did because she's a human being and pulled it. And then I looked into like some, some Rihanna conspiracy theories and there's some pretty, there's some pretty great ones. There's also some pretty not great ones. Mm. Um, I think as soon as you're of celebrity status to the same degree as Rihanna, you are going to be locked in with some pretty evil shit. Yeah. Are gross and weird. But we were talking about um, we were talking about this off mic about you know the 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 rumor that like Avril Lavigne is dead and they've brought in a double. Paul McCartney died at like Sergeant Pepper's and they brought yeah. in a, a that, double. Andrew that's what WK, I was talk and about. I, yeah, yeah, no. And I was gonna and I said I can't wait until Punk Goes Pod has their own Are They Dead rumor. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so there's this mockumentary called Paul McCartney Really Is Dead, The Last Testament of George Harrison. So it's presented as this kind of found footage thing um, narrated by George Harrison. Um, supposedly, like, a package arrived at some uh, studio's, uh, like, warehouse or whatever, and, like, they just published this. But... Um, yeah, it's supposed to be like the last testament of George Harrison, like his confessions that Paul was dead all along. Um, oh but the the way it's done is like both extremely funny and like extremely stupid because it treats the material as like serious while kind of mocking it at the same time. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's on YouTube if you have like 90 minutes, but it's just very, very bizarre. Like the fact that it exists is very funny. <laughs> That's brilliant. Oh, man. I'm going to, so I'm going to go through some of these ones. Um, of course, there's the belief that she's a reptile. Wonderful. Um, uh, you know, the, like the whole reptilian government, sort of, you know, 
these people are not people. They're reptiles wearing human, you know, drag, essentially. Um, you know what? Good for her. She's a reptile. Like I didn't know reptiles had that good a voice, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> like, I... No, Zorak was a was a praying mantis, wasn't he? He was. Yeah. So more of an insect. Yeah. Amphibian type creature. Uh, this isn't... A, there's a couple of not good ones. Um, there's... You don't have to go through the not so good ones, necessarily. But this one, like, there is one that stated when she got her start, she had an affair with Jay-Z, which was actually started by her publicist. What? Her one-time publicist, Jonathan Hay, admitted in 2015 that he spread the false rumour in a lame attempt to help build a profile for her in the media. Also, I'm getting this from the Grazia article, The Best Rihanna Conspiracy Theories on the Internet. Yikes. so no yeah, wonder it's one-time publicist. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. It's really this is about. one. This is one. Whoever has created this one can absolutely go fuck yourself. Yeah. Uh, Rihanna was used to frame Chris Brown because yeah. he was because he was going to become so popular. He was going to be more popular than Michael Jackson. Go and actually fuck yourself with that one. Yeah. Uh, sorry, that one made me mad. Um, That's gross. We don't need to give that one any more oxygen. No, but th- of course, the best one is that she's a part of the Illuminati. Oh, Leola. I, <laughs> I'm going to say this. Um, look, if you don't know what the Illuminati is, I don't have the time and the patience to sort of describe it, but it's basically a, a cabal of, like, the, the most wealthiest, powerful people that control the world. Which, I mean, like, that exists to a degree because of wealth inequality, but it's not the Illuminati. It's just shit people. Well, I'm going <laughs> gonna, gonna to say this, though. If the Illuminati exists and they... Uh, and if they need a podcast to, to you know, endorse them, if they if they need the official Illumina- Illuminati podcast, I'd be happy for Punk Goes Pod to be that. No <laughs> money, I want money. No. Um. And so I, I went through like a little bit of a K hole of um of conspiracy theories of celebrity conspiracy theories. I saw one. <laughs> I don't know how legitimate this is, but when. Madonna and Drake performed on stage and she kissed him. Yeah. Uh, she was actually impregnating him with her reptile egg. Oh, my God. Which, I mean, do you remember the video? Do you remember that? Oh, like, I remember, yeah, Coachella. He looked deeply uncomfortable with that. That's probably, <laughs> you know, like, do you remember? Like, he sort of was like, he tries to pull her yeah, away. I and remember. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not, I don't believe it, but... <laughs> Also, the best one is uh, that Taylor Swift is a clone of a uh, satanic priestess. Oh, I love that one. Uh, she's the um, huh. she's the clone of Anton LaVey's uh, daughter, Xena. I love LaVey. that one. But have you seen the side by side? Like they do look. Oh yeah, yeah. They look look. They look very similar. But then there's also other pictures of Zena Levay where she looks like Michelle Williams. So right. It's like, like it's it's a good one, but at the same time, it's like yeah. But I don't really. I will give you uh, something that is not a conspiracy theory, which is that Jennifer Lopez did not sing the vocals on a lot of her songs. That um, one that does my head in when you told me that, like, we, yeah, if you do want to do a episode on that to get your thoughts out in the open, we would be 
<laughs> that that is a podcast that'll be incoming from me at some point. Although it have it'll have to be like a bit of an audio production, but it will happen. Yeah, stay tuned for that one, guys. Because hey. yeah, that one. Like I don't know why it surprised me so much, but yeah, I think it's more just like ah, oh, that kind of removes the sheen of it a bit. Yeah, the rabbit hole goes quite deep with that one, but not not in a sinister way. It's yeah. just like there's a lot to say about it. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. That's my conspiracy corner. <laughs> I can picture you having a regular conspiracy corner. It's just you getting more and more animated over things. I love it. As I said, I love conspiracy. Like I don't subscribe to any of it, but I just I think they're great that someone can like pull just the most fantastical stuff out of nothing. I think if it's a harmless one, if it's a harmful one, that's where like I find it more upsetting than anything. But like the guy who directed Umbrella, the film clip, he said like, "Yeah, I put stuff like that in my film clips to fuck with people." Oh yeah, like <laughs> yeah, it's like, but not e- not even like I think outside of the Umbrella film clip, it's like other stuff. It's like, yeah, I do it because people are going to take the bait. Mm. So let's talk about the song. Do you want to take this one, Sam? Sure. So the song was the lead single from her more mature third album, 2007's Good Girl Gone Bad. Real quick, when did she move from Barbados to America? Uh, before her first album, yeah. So how do you know like roughly how old she would have been? Probably 16, 17. Yeah. Mm. I watched an interview with her and I was, she still kind of has a bit of an accent, I think. Oh, definitely, yeah. She codes, yeah. which is a bit depending on where she is, but like when she's going going like full Bayesian, like it really comes out. Yeah. Sorry, Richard, I just realized that this was your section. <laughs> Please continue, I'll take all time low. Richard can take the song. Done. <laughs> okay. Didn't work. Let's do this. All right. Take another. So Umbrella was number one on the Billboard Hot 100 for seven weeks. In between Maroon 5's Makes Me Wonder and uh, Can You Guess? Oh. It's a song that you've covered before. Shit, 2007. Payphone by Maroon 5? No, that was a few years later. Oh, no, 2007. Um, it's an acoustic song. Beg your pardon? It's an acoustic song. Oh, shit, is it that James Bay one? No, it's a song that kind of sucks. Oh, man. That's I mean, that's all acoustic songs. <laughs> It was Hey There, Delilah. Oh, <laughs> the song features an opening verse slash endorsement from Jay-Z, which also came the same year that he did one for Fallout Boys, Infinity on High. So I always forget how much of a like year 2007 was for yeah. that crossover. Because I think that's also the year that they did, or Rihanna did Shut Up and Drive with Fallout Boy for the VMAs. Yeah. Um, so it's just... I think I'm getting the time right. Maybe not. Yeah. It's just bonkers. Like I just think... that weird brief patch where those two universes crossed over a bit. And um, I think 07 and 08 were like quite notorious shows for the VMAs because um, uh, obviously Britney had her Gimme More moment. But yeah. I think the year after, like Pete Wentz was a co-host or something. And um, yeah. that, was the one where, that was the one where they kept like, throwing to different bands in like different rooms for no reason yeah. 
And yeah. then the year after, like Beyonce and Single Ladies happened, so it was like, oh wow, yeah. And that was and the MTV Awards where Kanye stormed the stage. Yeah, because oh, yeah. because Beyonce injustice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much a time of transition in pop music, I think. Yeah, definitely. So the song was written by Christopher Tricky Stewart and Terrius Nash, who was a very big R and B artist in his own right as the Dream. Uh, the song. Oh, you about them before. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, the song's drum hook was famously taken from Garage Band, where it's a loop called Vintage Funk Kit 03. And I'm pretty sure it's still available in current versions. Oh my god. The entire episode, because we use Garage Band to We're edit. It's just going to loop. Yeah, it's just going to be Oh, it's such an iconic hook, though. I love that. It's fantastic. Oh. <laughs> So Stuart and Nash wrote the song with Britney in mind and then offered it to Mary J. Blige. But apparently in both cases, the demo never got past management and neither artist actually got to hear it. Just because of like scheduling issues, because Britney was pretty much already done with Blackout and um, Mary J. Blige was like in a Grammys campaign or something. Oh, wow. Um, She was thinking in about 10 years time, 12 years time, this dude named Gerard Way is going to make a comic book and it's going to then become a TV show and then I'll be on it (laughs) for the first season and then I won't return for the second. I love that so much. Anyway. So Tricky Stewart said of Rana's recording, when she recorded the Ellas, you knew your life was about to change. (laughs) So they would soon become the producers of that moment. They did songs like Single Ladies, Mariah Carey's Touch My Body, uh, Justin Bieber's Baby. Oh, man. Oh, wow. And they're very much still around, though. Not, like, number one hit makers at the moment, but, yeah, still working. I was going to say, like, have you... Because I'm sure if I have heard some of their stuff from nowadays, I probably don't recognise it as them. But, like, has their production, like signature or like their sound changed at all to adapt to like what music is nowadays or do they still sort of carry traces of like oh what made like baby single ladies umbrella like which is uh, i mean for them it's like at that time it was um r&b uh r&b vocals with like a pop sensibility um kind of drum machines and like a lot of high synths and like twinkling twinkling pianos and stuff yeah um so i'm looking at tricky stewart's credits recently so either not that many or someone hasn't updated his wikipedia page yeah (laughs) um also like the dream was on an amazing run of albums himself up until like 2013 where he's kind of just fallen off and i I actually really miss him as a presence, because he was kind of doing prints, but very much in his own way, which is really cool. Um, so on Wikipedia, there is a section called the Rihanna Curse, which Ooh. is about the fact that um, the songs ran at number one in the UK occurred as the country was hit by extreme rainfall and flooding, which led to the newspaper The Sun suggesting that the two events were linked. Um, the same apparently happened in New Zealand. Oh, shit. Which had some of the worst storms in its history, tornadoes, flooding, um, true in Romania, although that was, oh, no, apparently um, they were having a very hot and dry 
summer until umbrella hit number one and then they got storms and rain wow and apparently def jam's marketing team collaborated with british umbrella manufacturer totes and they produced five types of rihanna umbrellas oh that's so cool which that i did not know that's like the piece of adult merch that i would absolutely love like yeah it kind of reminds me of looking up like Ariana Grande's merch a couple of years ago and being like, I understand that she sells masks, but I will never get one now. It's just like, well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now you have a reason, so. Exactly. I'm just going to be dripping in merch. And yeah, the music video was directed by Chris Applebaum, who's also done Miley's Party in the USA. Uh, Let me have a look through this. Demi Lovato's Heart Attack. Selena Gomez, who says, Fountains of Wayne, Stacey's mom, Mighty Mighty Boston's, the impression that I get, Semisonic closing time. So a punk goes pod legend, I think. Oh my goodness. What a chance. (laughs) A scar legend. (laughs) So what do we think of this song? So I know you said that like Jay-Z did an endorsement for the song. That's literally what his part is, isn't it? It's it's not even like to be a part of the song because he's, I timed it. He's on it for 34 seconds <laughs> and out of this four minute and 14 second long song. But I guess it's the fact that it's like, well, it's Rihanna featuring Jay-Z at the time when she was, you know, getting started. Yeah. He actually kind of did the same thing for, there was a remix of Amy Winehouse's Rehab that also had like a 30 second Jay-Z intro. Jeez. Same it's yeah. funny never really clocked that like featuring Jay-Z literally meant like featuring an endorsement from Jay-Z. And Rockefeller Records. Yeah. yeah. I assume that there was some sort of production credit as well on top of it, but no. It makes me think um, sort of like in the string of like the mid 2000s, I don't know how many movies he was doing it for, but Quentin Tarantino was doing a lot of, he would put his name on movies. Yeah. So it'd be Quentin Tarantino Presents. Presents. Yeah. And so one of them is this, like, just absolutely just trash motorbike movie called Hellride, but it has Quentin Tarantino's name on it. And it's, like, literally just this... The guy was, like, in his late 50s or 60s when he directed this motorbike movie. It's literally just his fantasy of being a tough guy. Mm -hmm. A tough guy who... And, like, literally, like, every female in this movie, there is a scene where he literally grabs them by the crotch. Um but he got all these other people into it, like Dennis Hopper's in it. I'm pretty sure um, what's his name from Kill Bill was in it. Um, David Carradine. Like he got all of these people and he convinced Quentin Tarantino to put his name on it. And it's like, well, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? People are going to go, this is trash. And Quentin Tarantino goes, well, I have an eclectic taste in film. <laughs> just put some feet shots in it. Several seats. Like, I just have no time for him. Well, I mean, I guess for you, fingers crossed, he's up to his eighth film. If he does two more, then he's done. I don't know, he's ninth film, so he's so he's done after the next one. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I if think he that, sticks with him. I think that all directors should be banned from ripping off Tarantino for twenty years. That's my oh, strong opinion. It's just it's not that profound, it's just sort of like white man ego trip, the end. Like mm. I don't I, I'm a fan of him himself but it there's like a weird relationship with style and substance where um it's kind of like you need 
the substance and the intent to justify what he's doing stylistically. Otherwise, it does turn into wank, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He always simultaneously entertains and infuriates me that our local <laughs> theatre, the Sun Theatre in Yarraville. So when um, the hateful came eight. out and Samuel L. Jackson and Quentin Tarantino were like visiting a few random like... Yeah. I think Kurt Russell as well. I think it was the yeah. three of them. Yeah. So they popped into the Sun for one of the screenings and... But it was also because I think that because they were doing the thing of it's seventy millimeter. They're doing yeah. it in seventy millimeter print, and and it was like well they're doing a classic thing. They had to get special like a special projector to do yeah. it. So it was you know they came and it was literally I think it was the night after we went and saw that movie yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah, that movie was terrible. Yeah, I wasn't a fan. I like it. It's quite misanthropic. Yeah. Um, yeah, but um, but I guess back to Rihanna. To quote the Daily Mail, unfortunately, Rihanna's hair reaches new heights as she joins Quentin Tarantino at Inglorious Bastards premiere in oh, London in two thousand nine. How high are we talking for the hair? Pretty high. It was like a quaff. Oh, ah. well, there you go. Back to the song, though. I I discussed this, and I think I mentioned Rihanna when I, when we were doing the. Um, the Nelly Furtado episode. Mm-hmm. Rihanna's this person that I feel like, and I'm not saying that I'm not accusing her of being lazy. I'm not accusing her of putting less than what she can, but it always feels to me like, and and again, I've got nothing but praise for her. Like her voice is amazing. It feels like she's only using like 10% of her power though. Like it feels like when we're ready, we'll hear the full Rihanna. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will probably blow our brains out. Like, I guess you can like turn that on its head and say like it's an effortless voice. Yeah, like, and and but that's something that I like about it yeah. is that it is like it feels very effortless. Like if you told me that she'd never taken a singing lesson, I'd believe that. Like that's just her natural voice. Like I I really that's one of the things that I've really appreciated about Rihanna is mm-hmm. like yeah, it just feels like there's there's zero effort. She can just come in, do one take, and you know leave again. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of like the essence of it, because I remember at the time when the song came out, this was like fodder for so many early like Poptimist discussions, right? And and also um, the fact that there were so many covers of it really plays into this. But it's the fact that the way Rihanna sings it, because she was 19 at the time, she doesn't sing it in the most romantic way. Um, She sings it... Her voice at the time hadn't really broke. And I would say her voice broke, like, after it. Um, she had an adult voice and, like, Rude Boy for the first time, I think. Um, yeah. But okay. she has this kind of metallic edge to it and a very fast vibrato that, um, for some reason, in, like, an alchemical way, it just works for this song. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I have a theory about singing and songs, right? I have a theory that... Every song is either like a Noel Gallagher song or a Liam Gallagher song. And so sometimes you have to sing songs just like perfectly straight and that makes them stronger. But sometimes you have to do a Liam Gallagher and kind of like almost overdo it or underdo it in a weird way that gives it a kind of edge. And like Wonderwall is that too. Um, That's why Wonderwall to me doesn't really work unless it's sung by Liam or done like really differently. Yeah. So, um, dumb question just to check. So, Liam is underdoing it for Wonderwall, yeah? 
Yeah. I, I would say kind of he's over enunciating, but he's underselling the emotions. So yeah. it kind of makes you feel it more, I think. Yeah. Otherwise, it becomes sappy. That's a good point. I've never really thought about that. Like, it holds just the right amount of like longing in it without being overwrought. Yeah, and, like, that's been Rihanna's journey as a singer as well, because I think she got really good as a... or started to get really good as a singer on the album after this Reddit R, which is, like, oh, a darker um, effort from her. But by the time Anti came out, like, to me, I think she's one of the best, like, popular singers we have now. Yeah. Mm. Which Definitely. is also weird, because, as Sam said, she is often operating, like, at a lower level than she can, especially live because she has this thing where she'll sing like 80 percent of every line and just like throw to the crowd <laughs> uh, which she's done a bit less in recent years but it's like really obvious once you like start looking for it even on dvds and stuff so it's a bit infuriating but her effortlessness i think is what defines her side note but i remember like my first concert um so green day at the what used to be the Telstra Dome, Jesus, R.I.P. <laughs> sure, I can't remember the song off the top of my head. It's um, oh, I think it's like Jaded or something, but like it's just delivered super fast. <laughs> Are you singing along? I was, yes. I think so. I can't remember if I've discussed it on this podcast, but I think both times we've seen Refused during New Noise, he has not done Can I Scream. He's he's, he's deflected it to the crowd. It's like, we paid you to do this. Do this. Don't don't give it to us because we're not the artists. (laughs) We're not. We're talentless. You're the one with the talent. Give us the talent. We paid you for that. Imagine an acoustic version of that song. That would be very funny. That would be oh, hilarious. Man. Yeah, oh, that would be really funny. Um, they'd still have I'm, to like deliver it at eleven. Yeah. I'm just going to say this to all the artists: don't deflect to the crowd. We don't yeah. like it, unless it's like a ballady, like yeah, very, 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 very sing-songy song. Mm. Like, no, we paid you to sing the song to sing the song. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm. I'm doing s- your job. I'm so sorry. It's not fun. Just well, give sing us like them. one chorus, but take back over. You know exactly. Yeah. Um, this I've noticed in recent years, especially at pop gigs with like a lot of young fans. But there's a very thin line between people who go to gigs to like enjoy themselves and sing along, and people who, in my opinion, mostly kind of go there to be validated and like to sing over the yeah. artists who mm. not really listen. Yeah. Um, I was at like Lana Del Rey, and that was like kind of notorious for that, especially in like an open air place where um the sound is not as loud. So, is it sort of like a mixing thing where like theoretically they could, like the audio engineers could mix it so that their voice still sort of carries over the top of everyone? Because the amount of shows I've been to where 
you can barely hear the singer but everyone else just yeah. like screaming their lungs out which is fun but it's also just like okay i might as well just like be listening to this at home i didn't pay yeah. to hear all you jabronis yeah exactly. i know also true of wrestling crowds but yeah i think it's um i think it's just acoustics like live yeah. venues are fucked up like inherently so it's hard especially what used to be the telstra dome and is now marble stadium Can yeah it makes me think of that uh that beyonce video where she puts the oh, microphone in the person's God. face and they're just like ooh. I I will make one exception for the crowd singing gang vocals. Yes. Yeah. But like, I've you know I haven't been to a hardcore show in years, yeah. so you know gang vocals for for that sort of bit is great. But yeah, oh, my God. there's no gang vocals in Umbrella, so, oh, so good. don't make us sing. Tw- give us twenty percent of the, the the paycheck then for the, the no. I'm, <laughs> I'm getting really give us a rebate. Out. That would be so for you. That would be great if you went to a show and then like invoiced like Live Nation or something like. So I want twenty percent of my ticket back, please. There is there is a skit in there somewhere. There yeah. is a bit in there somewhere that I think we're starting to unravel. <laughs> yeah. I get. I'm gonna go ahead and bet by the end of tomorrow night you'll have come up with a fully fledged skit in your brain, which I will. Oh, in my brain, it, w- it won't be. It won't be written out or anything like that. So. No. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, what what do we think about the song? We it, keep getting sidetracked. I fucking love it. It rips. Oh yeah, yeah. Like it's classic. It's a classic. I like when it first came out. Like sick, loved it. Even though like I wasn't back then, I was still very much like erring on the side of. But I'm a scene. I'm an emo person. How can I like this? Yeah. Yeah. I can't. I'm not supposed to like this, but I like this. But it just, man, just yeah that beat that comes in mm. like even listening to it now like in prep for this episode like i was body rolling like it's just the best and even like the jay-z uh-huh uh-huh gives it that swagger as well yeah that like it, even in like like the film clip you can see she has that sort of like it then carries over Motion, to her yeah. yeah and when she's dancing with the umbrella and everything it's like oh yeah no she's uh, she even like then it's like she knows that she's going to be gargantuan in yeah. her in her success totally yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, that's, like, it's got, like, it's got a tenderness to it because it's a song about, I don't necessarily think it needs to be about a romantic relationship. I was getting more friendship. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like, so it's inclusive in that sense. It's tender in a sort of that casual Rihanna sense. Mm. But then it does have, like, insane amounts of swagger to it as well. Like, immediately, like, no clouds in my stomach. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like. But like to me, it's about it's about a friendship that can sustain again her like I hate to use like cliches, but meteoric rise to mm. the top. Like mm. it's like the the Miss Americana documentary that that person that's still friends with Taylor Swift that went to high school with Taylor Abigail. Swift and and is is just a regular person, but just so happens to be best friends with Taylor Swift. Like I get insanely jealous looking at Abigail's Instagram. Like, <laughs> It was my birthday, so Taylor got the guy from Dashboard Confessional to sing a song for me. It's just like, what universe do you live? <laughs> anyway, mm. I, I, I feel like, like I feel like it would be ninety-five or ninety, you know, six percent normalcy with just these little smatterings of yeah, the guy from Dashboard Confessional sang a song for me. Chris Carabba, I should say. Sure, Sorry, Chris. Um, like just these like 
oh, and like she took me to Paris or something like it's it would just be like <laughs> these little like pockets of yeah, your your best friends with the most famous pop star in the world right now. Like I'm slightly inclined to believe that Abigail is of money for herself because like she has a very luxe lifestyle, but um, I think she does, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, that would be so bonkers. Like, hey Taylor, do you want to get dinner? No, sorry, I'm going to. I feel like she doesn't. I feel like she doesn't ask Taylor. Hey, do you want to go get dinner? It's it's. Hey, Abigail, I'm in town. Do you want to get dinner? (laughs) True. Hey, Abigail, I miss you. Let's go get dinner. Like it's it's. She's not asking Taylor anything. Look, Taylor, if you're listening and accepting friend applications, I'm here. Hi. Exactly. And and the Illuminati, if you're listening, (laughs) I will happily uh, become the. The satanic. I'll, I'll happily become a satanic podcast. I'll happily pay become. pay us those uh, US dollars with the dumb like eye pyramids. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> we just want some of that sweet Illuminati cash. Yeah. So, what do you think, Richard? Because you hinted at the beginning that you had a bit of a bone to pick, potentially. Uh, no, I don't think so. No, I love it. It just sounded like an instant classic at the time. Yeah. It still feels that way. Like, um. The the one thing that's changed for me is how I perceive Rihanna's voice. So yeah. I really, really do want to hear her re-record it. Um, even with like the same production, like slightly remixed or something. Yeah. You know? Because I feel like it's a song that's stuck around in the consciousness. But um, like Kate Bush did that for um, Wuthering Heights quite oh, famously. Yeah. Like there's a 1978 version and a 1986 version. And I much preferred the latter. Yeah. Um, People are divided on that, but she sounds like much more full voice right. on that. So, because I feel like I'm, Brianna, if you're listening, I feel like <laughs> I'm not sure which version of Wuthering Heights I've listened to because I don't listen to Kate Bush really. Um, but I do feel like if I could hazard a guess and say I heard the former one, I feel like it sounds a bit more reedy compared to what the latter yes. might sound like. But um, yeah, I think you would know. Yeah, yeah, those are my Kate Bush thoughts. <laughs> Um, in this theoretical re-recording, would you still have Jay doing an endorsement? Because I feel like Jay's position in pop culture has shifted a bit. Mm, true. Maybe do a new verse. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe like, maybe she gets someone up and coming to do the, the opening bit and that's her endorsement of them. Yeah. Or maybe uh. get Beyonce to do one because... Mm. Everyone likes Beyonce more than her husband. Because there's because there's a conspiracy theory that they're Eskimo sisters. Uh ooh, yeah, I didn't think about that. I was the, thinking more in terms of Jay's reputation took a bit of a dive around about lemonade. The, yeah. That picture that you always post to us if I, oh, I if, if I make a mistake and, and release an episode on Thursday and not Friday of Beyonce. Yeah. <laughs> it is a huge vibe. <laughs> Oh man. Uh maybe maybe Rihanna's just been sleeping under her heat lamp and that's why she hasn't recorded anything. <laughs> well, oh, that's why she only gives like fifty to seventy five percent. Because reptiles, because lizards are yeah. like they they they're only like operating at like ten percent. Like the stage lights aren't hitting everywhere, so there's only so much heat for her to like work with. They don't say they don't say what kind of reptile they are. Maybe she's a turtle person. Wow. I'm picturing more of just like a, um, I don't know, just like a lizard. 
like a bearded dragon or something. Yeah, they are pretty chill though. Yeah. Yeah. I'm picturing Jub Jub. (laughs) I think like talking about Rihanna's like that sort of relaxed delivery, both in like voice and in performance. I kind of love that from like a sort of, I don't even know the right, but like, I almost want to say like socialist sense of like only working as hard as you need to for yeah. max returns. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just like, that's fucking sick. I want to take that energy into everything I do. Like only give as much as I absolutely need to go a bit beyond if I want to wow people, but otherwise just like relax. I, got this. I believe it was like 42 minutes ago that you poo-pooed the idea of me doing a cash episode. So I know. Now, <laughs> that is the quickest 180. <laughs> I apologize. I contain multitudes. I'm a very complex being. You're right, because the contrast between that, like Rihanna, you know, generally being effortless, is you have someone like Ariana who's very technical but also quite effortless. Yeah. You have Beyonce who uh, really wants to make you feel the work she puts in, like how hard she works and the effort. But I would argue that she doesn't oversing. And then you have like your Jesse J's of the world who like demand that you bow down to their singing. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> I also feel like in this era of like just that overexposure, like your TikToks, your whatever's the mm. youths, like everyone is trying so hard to be seen and be appreciated and recognized. Like it's it'll be interesting to see Rihanna's next step because she doesn't need to try hard. Like, yeah. it'll just be like a refreshing alternative to like just the constant barrage of like, and this new pop singer and this other one and like mm. Jojo Siwa and like mm. just all of these. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's Jojo Siwa. People who want like, yeah. It's people who want like cultural capital. Yeah. 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 It's just, I don't, it feels like there's just so many people clamoring for said capital. Like, it's exhausting. So. Mm. For Rihanna to come back and just sort of keep doing her will be like a nice change. Feels kind of fitting that they did uh, that. She did that Guava Island movie with Donald. Oh, I need to watch that. Still. Donald Glover, yeah, um, just because he's also another person that's like people are really focused on what he's doing and what yeah. he, what what's the yeah. next thing that Donald Glover's going to do. Donald Glover or Childish Gambino or whatever his next yeah. project might be. It might be something that's not not the two and it's going to be have a different name and it's like yeah let's see what they do yeah it is interesting yeah like childish gambino's last release i didn't love it like it sort of felt a bit half baked but i don't know if it was like he essentially released an album where it's like cool like we're all an iso go ahead and listen but like how do you stop with awaken my love and then this is america like that's such Mm. a great way to Mm. round off that chapter of your career but then exactly. also, like, I appreciate how casual he is in terms of, like, it's terrible. Like, I didn't realise, like, his dad died recently and he's just sort of been oh, like, no. laying low and, like... Because I think he had a really, he has a really good relationship with his he, dad, didn't he? And, with his yeah. parents, yeah. Yeah, with both um, of his parents. Yeah. And, yeah, and then, like, I think he had another kid. Well, not mm. him, but, like... But it's just... It's that different thing of, like, he's not constantly present. And I think that what makes... That's what makes me appreciate him yeah. more when he resurfaces and he's like, oh, hey, guys, here's what's been happening. He doesn't need to be clamoring for that bit of 
attention on the camera or whatever. It's going to be, if they do do a community movie, it's going to be jarring seeing him come back to Troy. Mm. I know. Was it Joel McHale said, yeah, Donald Glover's coming back for this. That's going to be wild. Seeing like, we've got nothing but like, cool guy donald glover like yeah. like basically basically lando calrissian which you know yeah. made him in solo we've basically gotten that since he left community and then seeing him go back to being childish really well not no pun intended yeah uh like yeah. just dumb you know obsessed with arbed troy like it's gonna be really like that's weird it'd have to be the story of troy's growth more than anything yeah. like as one of the main pillars i think because when we last heard from him, he was sailing the world, trying to, you know, discover his, himself as a man. So. Yeah. I, I, it kind of, because I know that there's like a bit in the later seasons where Arbed's like, oh yeah, Troy left me. It's like, Troy worked really hard for you, dude. And you kind of didn't really, you took him for granted. Mm. I, don't, mm. I know that Arbed has a um, developmental disability, so you have to sort of remember that. Mm. But yeah. But, yeah, no, it's funny. Like I... I love all those sort of little revelations you have, like, recording this. Because, yeah, I'm only just now conflating Rihanna with Donald in terms mm. of, like, that laid-back sort of effortless, like, I think... Which Donald didn't used to be. Yeah. yeah. He used like, to his early rapping was, like, very... Not, not try-hard, but, you know. Well, yeah, like, back in the day of, like, I am just a rapper and all that, like... He was basically being like, I want people to see how good I am. Like, And I want yeah, you to be well. past the acting side of this. Like, I am a rapper. Like, yeah. I am just a rapper. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. And at some point he lost that. And, like, to me, that's when it really clicked for him. Yeah, definitely. I reckon it was when he had his first kid. Like, Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Like, just trying to sort of keep that under wraps and, you know, you know have a normal-ish life. Yeah. And it's always a good sort of like reminder, like, yeah, you don't have to live your life in public all the time. It be that as big or as small a scale as you wish, kind of thing. Mm. Um, speaking of, I don't know what. Let's talk about all time low. <laughs> so yeah, we're, we're done with all things Rihanna. Any final Rihanna thoughts? Um. I just hope she puts out her reggae album soon. Yeah, yeah. Been long rumoured since I think the start of 2019 or something. And like, for me, the anti album was all about patience and, you know, letting it kind of grow in your mind because it was very, very, it was a total left turn for her. Yeah. And it took, I think, everyone a while to adjust to how great it was. Yeah. But, and so I've been very much preaching patience whenever the stance, like, oh, where's the music? Drop the album. But I think, uh, if she doesn't drop it soon, there will be a lot of question marks in terms of like her legacy. So I would like to see it kind of solidified somehow. Right? Yeah. Maybe it'll be like um, Chinese Democracy, and it might take thirteen years <laughs> to be released. Yeah. Chinese Democracy was an album by Guns and I don't know if it was their last album, but it was a Guns and It was, yeah. And so it was the last Guns, which it's now been thirteen years since. No, it's been about twelve years. Twelve, yeah. Wow. Chinese democracy and it took him 13 years to <laughs> but the thing is like I don't think there's like I don't think people are going when's the new Guns N' Roses release at this no, point no there's been no anticipation I, I, I think it's it's. but back then it was like oh when's this fucking album gonna yeah. get released Like, and then it was like oh it's out yeah it was, it was just kind of out and then it was like oh I have never listened to it it's 
It's very interesting. It's like extremely overproduced, but in a compelling way, I think. Okay. So it's not all good, but it's worth a listen. Yeah. I'll I'll listen to that the day you listen to Avril Lavigne's album. Oh. <laughs> I honestly need to just draft a list of pop culture moments that I am appalled you haven't yet listened to, and I say that. Yeah, before. please. Um, <laughs> as soon as we can be in the same room, we are going to just binge listen slash watch all those gaps between our respective pop culture knowledges. Love it. And we're also going to watch Jew on the Grudge. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, 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 uh. I need a distraction. How about all time low? So we've already done an episode on All Time Low, but I think because it was a Christmas episode, oh. we purposefully... Yeah, we left it kind of brief. Yeah, and so we, we discussed some other things. I can't remember what we did in that Christmas episode. I can't even remember which song it was. It was a really cute one that they wrote themselves. Um, it, yeah, it was. It was an original. It wasn't... Yeah. Was It was Christmas is Coming? No. No. Ah, it's all right. Because um, I'm getting them really confused with the Newfound Glory song um, <laughs> that we also did the week before, which yes. is fitting because All Time Low got their name from the Newfound Glory song Head On Collision. Yeah. Mm. Um, so they formed in 2003 from Towson, Maryland. They sometimes go by ATL. So I will also go by ATL for the rest of this episode if I'm uh, talking about them. Um Actually, no, screw that. Uh, they have kept a pretty consistent lineup. Actually, I think it's the, it's all the same members since 2003. So Alex Gascarth on vocals, Jack mm-hmm. Barakat on lead guitars, Ryan Dawson on drums, and Zach Merrick on bass. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it, what the formula is. Some weeks I just I decide to list off all the band members. <laughs> Some weeks I don't. <laughs> I don't know why I find it notable, but I just... It- it's touching when a band remains the same yeah. throughout its totally. Especially like it's a pop punk band. Yeah. Like these these uh, sorts of bands, they just churn members. Mm-hmm. Like they're just it's just member after member. Oh, you know, this guy's left. Cool. We'll get another one. Yeah. Um, As I always say, at some point every classic rock band is gonna merge into one like Voltron. <laughs> like it's happened with Axel Rose when he joined ACDC. Neil Finn being in Fleetwood Mag is like the last straw what? for me. I didn't realise No, that. neither did I. They, they kicked out Lindsay Buckingham because I think he didn't want to tour. He wanted to make music. Yeah. And then they replaced him with, um, I think, a guy from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Right. And Neil Finn. So now Stevie Nicks sings backing vocals on Don't Dream It's Over in Fleetwood Mag at every gig. Oh, my God. Which is cool, but makes zero sense. Uh, 
As a Kiwi, <laughs> I support everything Neil Finn does. For some reason, though, that feels yeah. right. It though, does, like yeah. Neil Finn in, in Fleetwood Mac just feels really <laughs> right. Aww. Yeah, good on you. It's, it's, to me, it's just like history has been rewritten, but yeah. in a very weird way. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't remember if we talked about this at all, and I've not listened to a single second of this, but Alex Gasgarth formed the music duo Simple Creatures with one Marcus Hoppus oh. from one Blink-182, Blink-182. Yes. Um, and it's, I, I think it's, it's pretty cute because Alex was a big... Blink fan. They got started covering Blink. Mm, All Time yeah. Low got started covering Blink songs. Like, it's starting a band with one of your heroes, which is just yeah. really neat. I'm going to jump in and say Simple Creatures is fucking sick. Like, yeah. it's cool. I, like, I have a very low threshold for like good music. Like, basically, if I enjoy a musician and <laughs> release something, I'm like, done. I'm 100% on board. Love it. Let's do this. But, like, so yeah. Like, they've only done, like, an EP so far and, like, a couple singles, but, like, the lesser tracks are really quite, like, half-assed almost, but, like, I think that's because Mark is in his late 40s and is just phoning it in for the most part. But then, like, when it's good, it's great. Like, their lead single that they did, um, shit, what's it called? This I, I'm going to say I'm going to cut in while you're thinking about that. That would have been a really interesting, and I'm glad they didn't because I'm glad All Time Low is still a thing. But like that would have been a really interesting replacement for Tom. Yeah, would have been Alex yeah. instead of um, Matt Skiba, who, who's I, I I look I dig basically everything all Alkaline Trio. But they're not a Blink sound. No, no, mm. it's like it's. You know, the goth kid that likes a bit of Blink-182, like, yeah. In my mind, I'd love to picture that, like, Mark realised this after Matt had already signed all the documents and was like, fuck. Like, all right, I think we'll just start, like, our own thing. So the lead single was called Drug, and it's just a snotty, bratty kind of song, and then, like, adrenaline rips. So, yeah, I'm going to put my hand up to edit this episode and chuck in some of the Riding on a cigarette Ditch me like a dirty habit Run your mouth and lose your head You're so idiosyncratic I'm going to do my part and listen to some simple creatures. Sick. And then I just want to say that the band name sounds like a craft brewing company. Yeah. It really does. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I've drunk some simple creatures. Shit. No, I haven't. No. Little creatures. There's little creatures. Yeah. 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 They do that really good apple cider. Yeah. Uh, sure. So they were signed to Hopeless Records, but are now on Fueled by Ramen. And I, I basically, you were working, and I, I think I found an excuse to come in and tell you this. <laughs> I had always, because I think every time 
we mention Fueled by Ramen, either on the podcast or we've just talked about them, whenever you mention them, it's always in the same breath as, and Pete Wentz. Yeah. So I always assumed that Pete Wentz had started Fueled by Ramen. And no. I was shocked to find that he hadn't. Like, I, I learned this this week, that he had not started Fueled by Ramen. It was some dude and the drummer from Less Than Jake. That does my head in, because, like, I think technically I knew that it wasn't Pete's label, but I always just, because I've always mentally conflated the two. Yeah. Because, like, I know that Pete founded Decadence, like a sort of sub, mm. like, offshoot of Fueled by Ramen. But like, because the the Jennifer's Body soundtrack is all fueled by ramen bands, yeah, and that's also like, like isn't like Fallout Boys in there somewhere? Isn't aren't they? Oh, or... they're on a, like a poster on. Jennifer's yeah, Ball. yeah, it's yeah. like it's like they're part of that sort of, and it's like everything that's sort of like the fueled by ramen project seem to almost be spearheaded by Pete Wentz. Yeah, and it's like surely he must be like the guy or an employee at least. He just. Like, he's just always been good with sort of getting the name out there, getting, like... Yeah. But it's, like, it's it's really good. I, I always, um, if, you're, if you're doing, like, a wrestling terminology, it's like when an older wrestler, you know, does the job for a young up-and-comer because it makes them look really good. It's I always really dig when a band is like, hey, you know us. We're really into this band. Yeah. Give it a listen, you know. Well, even like Meet Me at the Altar, like that up and coming band that have just been signed by Phil Which Bonham. hopefully we might be able to get a, try and get an interview with them. I would love to mm. manifest that. But because um, wasn't it. Oh, I feel like there was someone who like referred them to Phil by Ryan. It was Alex Gaskar. Yes! Oh, yeah. no way. Yeah. Like, Great. I really love that mentality that their bands, like the bands on their roster, seem to have of they're not in it for themselves. Yeah. Like, the amount of sort of cross-promotion that a lot of the bands do and, like, there genuinely seems to be, like, some sort of a professional, if not a personal friendship yeah. with the other bands that are in their... Yeah, like, it just... It's it's really common as well in, like, the metal circle. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, smaller bands will get their, their albums and demos and whatnot recorded by, you know, bigger band members. Yeah. Like a bigger, bigger, like people who are in bands, not so much record producers. Yeah. Um, the one that's just jumping out at me that I, and I can't really think of too many others at the moment, but like Joey Jordison, the former Slipknot drummer, recorded a Three Inches of Blood album. Oh, wow. And that mm. sort of thing. Like um, the, the guitarist for, um, oh, it's not Saxon. Might have been Saxon, actually. Like a, a, an old British, like sort of heavy metal band, like, recorded a bunch of cradle of filth albums that sort of thing like yeah it's 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 it can be very a very toxic community but it can also be a very uh supportive and like almost like cheerleaders you know yeah yeah Yeah. to me that's probably my favorite thing about pop punk when it's good is just that sense of like friendship and camaraderie definitely i mean so many bands i've i've heard just by seeing Bands, pictures of bands I like, and the shirts that they're wearing yeah. as well. Yeah. Like, oh, I'll check that band out. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, like, for me, like, Fueled by Rama in particular, like, it's not like I'd ever be like, oh, man, like, 
super keen to figure out or like learn more about like who else is on like the Geffen roster or the yeah like, it's that yeah. subculture thing enough that it's just like it does it feels like a bit of a like cult of personality almost like yeah so, yes, as I said, they were signed to Hopeless, but then uh, are now signed by Fuel by Ramen. That wasn't the case, though, initially. In 2006, All Time Low found themselves without a label. The band did an initial showcase for Fuel by Ramen, but they weren't signed at the time because Fuel by Ramen had just signed Cute is What We Aim For, and they were not in a position to sign another band. Oh, Cute is What We Aim For. My goodness. I fucked with them so much when I was a kid um, to the point where like my friend Kelly and I shout out to Kelly if she's listening um, we went and saw Cute is What We Aim For for a oh man it might have been like a 10 year anniversary of their first album um, Same Old Blood Rush with a New Touch like and that was only in the last few years I think um, and yeah, I just had that sort of like moment where I realized like these guys are huge tosses, kind of like yeah. Because <laughs> so like their lead single that they first came onto the scene with Newport Living, like it basically the opening line is everyone's a letdown. It just depends on how far down they can go. In every circle of friends, there's a whore. The one who flirts and dies a little more. Basically, just a song about like you're a slut, you're really cheap. Like people are seeing through all this kind of stuff, and like for some reason, I was willing to look past that in terms of the inherent shitfulness of that because it was all just sort of like they were seen as fuck. Like yeah, their other song, "The Curse of Curves," again, it's like I'm really smart, but you're just really hot, and like. But yeah, like they wrote really hooky songs and they were cute and whatever. And so, yeah, I loved them. And then seeing them as... It was their aim. It was. And so like literally seeing them as an adult with my friend Kelly and we like... (laughs) So I think it was literally like, I want to say like the equivalent of the Tote or something. It was somewhere in Brunswick, I think, or Fitzroy. And so like not very big at all. Very random venue to see like an international... That should tell you, exactly, that should tell you all you need to know about their tour at that point of their career. And then, yeah, Kelly wanted to go outside and have a cigarette, so I went out with her, and Sean, the lead singer of Cute Is What We Aim For, was, like, literally within, like, walking distance of us chatting with other fans. And I was like, oh, shit, like, wow, I might go over there and say, like, hey, like, amazing, blah, blah, blah. But just as like we were tossing up whether or not we debased ourselves enough to do that, <laughs> Sean was like talking with some girls and like sharing swigs of like a bottle of spirits or something that he pulled out of like a backpack. No, oh, okay. Or like one of the fans did. It was just like this is there's nothing wrong with that, but it just felt so like yeah. like sus and dodgy. And also like if their thing is like we're better than you and we know it, and it's like, but then you're just like you're just swigging some stranger's booze out of their backpack. Like (laughs) it was just like, I have no doubt that like they, and like probably very unfair. So I'll just chuck in allegedly, but like, I'm sure that their intentions weren't a hundred percent good in terms of like, 
I don't know, if they were speaking to a girl who's kind of hot, they were probably going to try and use that as their advantage kind of thing yeah. later on. And so, like, I still enjoyed the show, but, like, since then and since, like, I think Sean said some pretty shit things about rape culture on Twitter, mm. like, to the point, like, I've chucked out their CDs because I'm just like, I don't need yeah. this energy in my <laughs> life anymore. And, like, if I hear the curse of curves, it's like, cool, I'm going to enjoy it. But, like, it real like... They were basically like the fuckboys of the scene, yeah. I think. It's like it, the way you've described them as well. It's like I could see this Sean guy like going to going to college, dropping out after a semester because they just weren't ready for his ideas, man. Like they just weren't <laughs> they just they just couldn't they just weren't they were too afraid of his intellect. So yeah, like should this ever get back to them? Like no hard feelings, but just yeah. It was the- just a very weird sort of like almost out of body experience of like what the hell <laughs> there are like ways to grow up as a pop punk or an emo band but yeah you know some sometimes it feels like the the bar is set too high for them you know yeah which is it shouldn't be it shouldn't be that high but i don't know yeah maybe we anyway. we should do an episode about like pop punk growing up with its fan base yeah because because yeah. is newfound glory honestly still I, I i realize that's the band i go to but that was sort of like my first pop punk band yeah um, like are they still trying to write songs for teenagers or are they writing songs for the the 30 year olds that listened to them back in 2003 like yeah who are they who are they writing music for that's like that's the thing. We, we touched on it, I think, maybe last week or the week before in terms of, like, Blink even. Like, they're in their 40s, still writing songs about, like, that sort of lusty kind of, like, teenage. But because you can sort of buy into the sheen of it, it doesn't matter. But then, like, yeah, you have to be in a very specific point of your fame, if not career, for that to fly, I guess. And Blink... I- Sorry. Aged quite gracefully at one point, and then I feel like they kind of reverted. A yeah, bit. they've jumped the shark, definitely. I'm also going to be that shit because we we sort of like turned our noses up at someone who said this about about it when we oh, saw yeah. them live. Like, I'm actually going to come around now and say, like, Mark, you're 48. Like, I don't I don't know what they do on stage, like the banter, but like if the banter is still about like dog farts and like you know grandpa's dick and all that sort of thing, like. Grow up. Grow, grow like you're nearly you're nearly <laughs> you're nearly fifty and you have kids and it's like grow up with your fan base. Like Yeah. But are you trying to have, you know, multi generational fan bases? Like yeah. is that what it is? But then do the kids really want to listen to you or do they want to listen to Machine Gun Kelly or mm-hmm. Billy yeah, exactly. Those are so those are some popular names I'm throwing out there because I do not know popular music. <laughs> well, it's because like you don't the there's a difference between being like still culturally culturally present and having a legacy and stuff and just being like a living meme, you know? Yeah. Which yeah. is what you don't want. So yeah. you are have... you ready? I decided this is a good point to insert this. So are you ready to hear my unified theory of pop punk, which I just came Go up with it. yesterday? Go for it. All right. So envision a triangle and this could be a, a square with an X and Y, but no, I think it's better as a triangle. So at the top, um, the top quality is bratty. Yep. And then the next side is intense. And the yep. next side is laid back. And so yep. my theory is that all pop punk bands 
kind of fall into that graph somewhere. So, for example, a band like Green Day would pretty much be in the middle because they've done this, they've done like kind of heavier songs, but they can write just pop songs, you know? Yeah. Um, a band like Meet Me at the Altar is very laid back. Yes. Even though they have some heavy moments, which is one thing I like about them. Yeah. Yep. On the more intense side, you have like Paramore who've had, you know, Misery Business, but they've also had like the post-hardcore influence songs and yep. Brand New Eyes, which is super intense. So... That's my theory. You can plot whoever you want on it, I guess. <laughs> so sorry, you said triangle? Yeah, I would say a triangle. Okay. I mean, aside from the obvious connections to the Illuminati, um, hey. would you, like, is this one of those things where, like, I always come back to it in terms of just, like, working in professional services, like, time, money, quality, pick two. Like, do you think this is a thing where, like... A little bit it has to come at the expense of losing one of those elements or I I think some bands are just not concerned with being all three, you know, it's yeah. hard yeah. in that sense. Um, yeah. You're going to excel at one and have some qualities of the other. Cause the other thing I considered was having like bratty and theatrical be a scale, but mm. then also you have bands like my chem who can do both. So it doesn't really count. True. Yeah. So yeah. Huh. I like this. I think, yeah, we should write some and sort of thesis about it. Also because All Time Low seemed fairly laid back on that scale. Yeah, yeah. They're the Rihanna of pop punk bands. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I have, like, cobbled together some other things about them. Uh, they co-headlined the 2008 Alternative Press Tour oh, um, with Sonny Moore. Oh man! So and I and I tried to find out something about this. So, um, if you don't know who Sonny Moore is, how dare you! First of all, well, you might not you, you might not have known him in his you know post hardcore days or his hardcore days, um, sort of emo days. You would know him by his uh, other name, which is Skrillex. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to find like some sort of like, did he have a solo career in between from first to last and Skrillex that was like, I think he had a group called Mad Dog, but it wasn't Mm. that, it was Sonny Moore. So what was this? I think he made like one or two EPs before he really became Skrillex. Right. But like what sort of style was it? Was it really like, was it sort of electronic style hardcore? It's looking like electro pop with a bit of electro house, but probably before he discovered dubstep. Yeah, yeah. Because I also would argue that Sonny Moore was sort of like the Pete Wentz of from first to last. Like, yeah, he was from first to last, like, which made sense. He was the singer. Yeah, but yeah. like, for a very like image focused scene, like I literally took a photo of Sonny Moore in my hairdresser to be like, "Hey, can you help me? Oh get yeah, my hair do this," and it didn't. Spoiler alert! But like, he was also like he was fourteen. Yeah, he was super young. But like, mm. like. It, in terms of that aesthetic, like, he just embodied the whole aesthetic. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised if, based off be- being a figurehead alone, like, there was some, like, I guess, wiggle room for him to do solo shit in between the two entities. I remember seeing and reading in one of the magazines, and it was basically their first release, upcoming release, after he either left or was kicked out. Mm-hmm. And already it was like, 
oh, you all just look like dads. You already, <laughs> you're already just like dressing in like, yeah, so like boat shoes and just looking really, really normal. Like he was, I like already it was like he was kind of the interesting thing about your band, wasn't mm, he? And he's yeah. and he's gone. Uh, and I don't know who they replaced him with. Mad but, respect to him for keeping the like swoopy fringe, even though like that turned it into more of like a hipster like gamer kind of vibe but like mm. he, he kind of was the the sort of like evolution of how scene kids then took on like the like breathe carolina how yeah, like they took on yeah. that 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 sort of like scene image with the electronic sound with kind of like the screaming until like dubstep like he's not like he doesn't do any vocals i imagine in skrillex i mean i'm thinking he the, does do a few but oh he, he does, does a like, bit yeah did as well which is cool but um yeah but like he also did, he did an album with Corn, like a, as, as Skrillex. So, I have some hot takes on that. Yeah. Let me give you a very quick. So, there's um quite a lot of uh, a few different producers who worked on that album, The Path of Totality. But to me, Skrillex has by far the best tracks, which is just like ma- mathematical proof to me that he is good, a good musician. Is it proof yeah. that Corn is bad, or just that he is good that he sort of overshadowed Corn? Uh, he understands their music and how to accentuate it, I would Not say. Like, okay. I, I like Korn, but have a lot of issues with him. No pun intended. <laughs> they have an album called Issues. Uh, so they were nominated for Best Newcomer in the 2008 Kerrang! Awards, but they lost to a Ronnie Radke era Escape the Fate. Ooh. And I, I did a bit of a look into these Kerrang! Awards and they were like a time machine. Chaos. into themselves so 2008 um was black the best international newcomer was black tide which was another band um they were like a sort of like a kind of like metallica guns and roses ish sort of like heavy metal band and they were all like maybe not all of them but like the lead singer was 14 wow like they were super young uh best video feathers by coheed and cambria sorry richard Oh, I was going to say Black Tide had a bit of hype, but like nothing to back it up at the time. I yeah, they, I, I remember listening to them and I was like, oh, okay, you kind of sort of sound like every other band that's trying to sound like Metallica in 2008, which was road, yeah. a really popular thing to do because Trivium also, yeah. they had the market on that big yeah. time. Um, uh, Slipknot won the Kerrang! Icon Award. Uh, sure. Best single from from yesterday, thirty seconds to Mars. That song, I liked that album. Spirit of Independence, the Dillinger Escape Plan. Mm-hmm. Best British band, Bullet for My Valentine. Fucking lol for that. <laughs> sure. Inspiration was Metallica. Rage Against the Machine was inducted into their Hall of Fame. Oh man! I was looking at some of the other ones. Oh, one of them. I was trying to remember which one it is. Oh, so. 2007 best single was The Kill by See, 30 seconds to Mars. Is... Okay. Actually, so The Kill and From Yesterday are like fucking sick singles as is Attack. Mm. But Attack was a good single. Yeah. Now I mm. 30 seconds to Mars are a band that I've not gone back to at all. I liked yeah. The first charms and really loved this is war like the 09 one when it came out yeah, but yeah. i have no idea how i'd feel about it now yeah and closer to the edge oh man like they yeah they had some i think for me i could never quite divorce the notion of like they are literally a vanity project for jared leto like, exactly yeah and his ego but, yeah but like 
in saying that, they had some really good singles. He it's was, just yeah. there's not much substance beyond that. He was way yeah. too old to be playing the same kid, though. And that, yeah, that's like, <laughs> right. as a 29-year-old, it's just inherently creepy that he was part of the scene. It's like, yeah. what would He would have been, like, my age when he's, like, giving himself, like, just starting to give himself the fringe and the yeah. eyeliner and that sort of thing. Like, the girls loved him, though. And that's a and that's one. that's what that worked was that that made them popular was the girls. I remember the girls in my high school. It was it was Jared Leto and Vil Valo from him. <laughs> the oh, girls yeah. loved them. Like they were good looking, like good looking dudes. And Vil Valo had that he had that that sort of aura and that European aura. Yeah. Sorry, just the two thousand and six awards. Oh, man. Uh, best video, Sugar, We're Going Down. Best band on the hey. planet, My Chemical Romance. Best band on the planet is My Chemical Romance. Oh. Best live band is Muse. Classic songwriter, Placebo. Placebo. Oh, Aiden for Best International Newcomer. Shit, what happened to Aiden? The lead singer, basically, I think he started a sex cult. Oh. This was the one that, uh, this was the one that made me go, uh, was that 2005, the host was Juliette Lewis. <laughs> yeah. She was trying to do her rock chick thing. Sorry, what was that, Richard? She was kind of trying to do her rock chick thing at the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love her. She can do no wrong. Uh, Except she's a Scientologist. Oh, yeah, good point. She can do one thing. (laughs) Best album, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. Oh, my gosh. Best video, Helena. Oh, I love that video so much. Do you pronounce it Helena or Helena? Helena. Helena. Which upset me because my middle name is Helena. Helena. That's fine. It's spelled the same, so... Um, what's that thing? Plausible deniability. Fucking best British and international newcomer. So best British in, uh, newcomer was Bullet for My Valentine and best international was Trivium. Those two bands cancel themselves out, in my opinion. <laughs> those two bands, those two bands just, and they're like, they're like the, the poster childs for, we really like Metallica. <laughs> Trivium have done decent stuff, but just never lived up to the hype, I think. I... I I think the thing that put me off them was like, and it was way, it was like twelve years ago. I, it was like they were doing a an interview, and they're like, "Where?" And it was like a quote from them. They're like, "We're here to destroy false metal." It was like, "You can actually, sure. you can actually go and fuck yourself now." Like, death so. to false metal is also a Weezer album title. Mm. FYI. Yeah, but they would they wouldn't listen to Weezer because it's not Iron Maiden or Metallica. <laughs> yeah. We can't we can't look moody while singing Weezer. Oh man! So, no, I don't have a good opinion of either of those bands. I thought you were going to say I don't <laughs> have a good opinion of Weezer. I was going to be very upset, but that's okay. I feel like we should get back onto the all-time low train because I could stay on this for hours. So, in twenty twenty-one, they plan to open for Five Seconds of Summer on their European tour. That's weird. I, I get it, but it's weird. <laughs> Is it? Why explain yourself? Well, because five stars are like uh, twenty now, right? They're like yeah. all twenty years old or something. And it's, it's like NSYNC opening for One Direction. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure that I'm. Sh- I'm sure they'd go for it, except for JT. Yeah. I think for me the weirdest thing is just the assurance that yes, this tour will happen in 2021. <laughs> yeah, I've mm. seen. I've seen plenty of like, you know. You get like lots of old death metal bands that are like in their forties and they're opening for bands in their twenties because the band in the twenties is the the popular thing at the time. That's true. Right. I think for me, it's just inherently sad when that happens, though. 
I don't know why. A little bit, yeah. And 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 I always go to the well. They're the they're the more you know. They're the veteran band. They That's... shouldn't be. They shouldn't be opening for this new band. I Again, think it depends on depends on if the, it's like a package tour or a co-headlining thing versus an opener who's like doing it to get publicity for them. You know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. It's funny. Like, there's still a real mentality of like respect your elders in the scene when it's like mm. I firmly do not believe in that. Just because someone's older than you, they carry more. Like. That's true. Not value, but, like, clout. I mean, I've definitely seen in a number of, uh, you know, metal magazines, like, tours and whatnot, and it's like, these, you know, classic metal bands are opening for fucking Trivium. <laughs> I've, I've, I've not mentioned Trivium once in this podcast, ever, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm now just, like, uncovering my deep-seated resentment towards this band. <laughs> Hopefully we can get it all out of your system in this episode, so... Oh, yeah, I'm probably not going to have a reason <laughs> to talk about them again after this, so... Oh, man. So... Right. <laughs> what do we think of All Time Low's cover of Umbrella? Let's let Richard start so that <laughs> we can, like, give this. it a good palate cleanse at the end. True. <laughs> um, I will say, I think it's pretty good, actually, although the first time I heard it, the... The way they play the opening without the drum hook immediately made me a bit mad. <laughs> Just, I get mad about, like, rock bands who kind of refuse to learn to syncopate in modern ways. So, right. okay. um, throughout the song, they're just doing, like, the standard pop punk. So, yeah, I mean, that's probably what you want to if hear from. Travis Barker would have had some sort of, like, hip-hop drum playing yeah true link doing it yeah they would have done something to sort of be closer to the originals drumming yeah and i also find the way it's sung a bit flat just because it's kind of missing the vocal inflections that rihanna does so it's like if you played it on a piano it would almost sound like that he like hits every note dead on but um i like the bridge i like how it builds to double time in the last choruses yeah um I think it's definitely better than the average pop punk cover of that song would be, for sure. Yeah, I'm. I actually like that. There's none. I I really appreciate that they, and it's it's because it's like it it, it almost feels like it doesn't need to be there. Like the Jay Z part, like it's not even a verse. Like he doesn't even have a mm. verse. It starts with her verse. It's it's like this sort of like this this sort of introduction that's almost like it's separate track. And I appreciate that they just get straight into it. Like, and I also don't need to hear Alex Gasgarth rap as well. Yeah, that's so right. I appreciate that they do just, and it's like, if there's not going to be the Jay-Z part, what's, why do the opening like drum beat? Let's not fuck around. Let's just get this song started. I think for me, within the context of like crunk and the inherent sort of problematic element in terms of like, yeah engaging with it without fully understanding it i like that they do maintain that distance i yeah. think if they had come in with that sort of like like yeah if grandstanding it, i would have just been like you're a huge wanker yeah like if he yeah. comes if, if alex gasgarth tried to do uh-huh uh-huh yeah rockefeller i can't remember exactly what jay-z does it's a sincere cover yeah yeah, yeah. exactly but no I, I yeah i think that it's look it, it hits all of the the pop punk beats but it's it it's one of the better covers that we've done i feel like it's it's just it feels very feels very simple feels very um feels like you know 
almost like like Rihanna herself, like this was effortless, but not not in a lazy way. Like it feels like Mm. yeah, very sincere, and they feels like they dug the the original and they were happy to do it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I definitely have like skin in the game because I fucked with all time low at the time. So like. I don't listen to them anymore, really, and I only ever listened to the one album, So Wrong, It's Right, which came out in 2007, and, like, on Hopeless Records, and it's just such a gorgeous album. Like, I still go back and listen to it, and, like, it has a slight sense of, like, that embarrassingly, like, overdone, like, earnest quality to it, but I love that, because it just, it makes me feel like it, like, young again. Like, it's that... Definitely, like, one of those nostalgia listens for me. Yeah. And even when I was listening to it at the time, it felt like like I could recognise it was going to be a nostalgia thing down the line. Um, but, like, I like this cover because, like, it plays on their strong suits where, like, Alex's voice is just, for a pop punk band, like, it's very quintessential pop punk, but it's great as well like it's very emotive very like kind of powerful almost. like and he does yeah. have a sort of distinctive delivery like they are very much like a wa-o sort of band but he still ekes out his own position within that ilk i guess yeah like it's it definitely has a bit of nasal to it but at the same time like it's a it's a strong enough it's a full body still like it's it's almost like a throaty pop punk voice which doesn't make yeah. Yeah, sense, yeah. But it does in my head. A hundred percent. Ah, I see what you did. So there. where would they sit on the pop punk triangle for you between Ooh. bratty, uh, intense and laid back? Ooh, I think for me, primarily bratty and yeah. laid back. Yeah. But yeah. then, for instance, there's one song which I'll chuck a snippet of in here purely because it just hasn't aged well in terms of like cringiness um on so wrong it's right this is uh remembering sunday and like <laughs> one of my favorite lyrics was just so embarrassing so it's basically like failed relationship and the two because it has a guest feature on it um uh, by juliet sims who i think she was in a band called automatic love letter or something back in the day which were like a very sort of flash in the pan like scene stable like mm. i remember seeing ads for them in parang and being like oh wow and then never quite engaging beyond that but like so <laughs> so yeah like very sad sort of song but then like there's this part where it's like he's talking about like how they used to have breakfast together so it's like we had breakfast together but two eggs don't last like the feeling of what she needs <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and so in that sense, they fall into that intense category, but then they quickly recover, like, in the next one. It's just a very sort of laid-back song about, like, the best days of our lives and, like, we're going to remember this and we love all of you and that kind of thing. So, because I didn't really listen to them because at that point, like, I couldn't listen to anything pop-punk because it would ruin my my credibility as a metalhead. <laughs> um were they were they kind of like the Ataris? How like the Ataris very much like everything is nostalgic. I get that vibe from them. I don't know what they turned into though, because I literally only listened to that album plus this cover. Yeah, because that was enough. Like me and Ella, which I forgot to mention up top, 
poor Ella when Umbrella came out just had a hell of a time in high school because everyone was like, hey, like the song. <laughs> um, yeah, we went and saw All Time Low in 2009. So I think they were still like, I, I could be wrong, but they were essentially touring off the back of So Wrong It's Right just with that lag time between getting to Australia from the US. Yeah. And like had a hell of a time, loved it. But then for some reason, I just, the switch turned off. Like I never listened to anything beyond that. And like I've dipped into like singles and stuff. And it feels like they've gotten a bit more, like, earnest in, like, a sort of more Zuma kind of way as opposed to millennial kind mm. of. I don't know how to articulate it, but, like, that album, So Wrong It's Right, it's just very, like, nostalgia fodder for me. Yeah. I will say that that experience happens to me a lot with gigs. Very often I will see an artist live and then I'll just be like, that's the height of my experience with them. I'm yeah. done, you know? Not as a conscious decision, but like in 09, I saw, I saw Nine Inch Nails and then I didn't listen to them for like four years. Wow, yeah. I, I'm trying to think if I've done that with anyone. It's almost like you've clocked the band. Like, yeah. like you've clocked a video game. Like basically like, you know, on the PS4 when I when I finish a game to the point that I've gotten the platinum trophy, like I've gone through, I've done everything, I've collected everything, done all the missions, and I delete it. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I don't have to do anything else for this. I've seen the band now. I've, I've, they're the boss, and I've beaten the boss. Yeah. yeah. What else? That's, that's true of the majority of the gigs I've been to, actually, to an extent. Like, I'm not done forever, but, you know. Yeah. Unless it's like Taylor or someone who is just, you know, constantly around. Yes, mm. Taylor is all. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I think, so within the context of like this album cycle, this era of them, which to be fair is pretty much the only era I know of them properly, this cover fucking rules. Yeah. Like, it's just, again, like I like that they keep enough distance from them and just going full like ham on, like swaggy sort of shit. Um and yeah, like, again, it's because the original doesn't necessarily infer a romantic relationship and it's just about friendship and, like, sticking it out. Again, that plays very well into the mentality of pop punk is, like, arm in arm with your friends, mm. singing along, gang vocals, yeah. surfing, like, it works. Yeah. And so, and yeah, then, like, Alex's voice, like, it carries enough sort of, like, saccharine, like, sweetness to it. Yeah. That makes it pop punk in the best way. And yeah, and I sort of, I, I think counter, like, the way in which I differ for you, Richard, is, or like to you, is the way they wrap it up. Like, they begin it and wrap it up. They sort of make it a unit of its own where I don't immediately have to be like, oh, yeah, so it's like the Umbrella, the Rihanna song. Yeah. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. No, it's 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 great. I, I and we've actually we've got a pretty good string of songs. Like last week was was great. Mm -hmm. This week is great. Um, next week when we announce it, it's like a classic. It's like it's a lot of like. Then we have yeah. We just I don't know. I feel like it's it's a more positive space at the moment because we have a lot of like we don't have an episode coming up that's like oh man. We have to talk about this again. Yeah. We have to listen to this. But I think, like, within the context of Punk Goes, 
This isn't the first Punko song that I ever heard, but it's one of the earlier ones I heard. And for me, this, again, it's that quintessential, like, if I were to make a beginner's guide to Punkos, I would chuck this on there. Kind yeah, of thing. totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which is, it's funny because it just comes from possibly their weakest compilation album. Though they're later, they're later pops, um, you know, which we'll get into later on, but yeah. Yeah. So no, for me, like 10 out of 10, I love it so much. This might be for you what the Rufio Like a Prayer is for me. They, real quick, they do Don't You Forget About Me later on for 80s. But they don't do the hey, 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 hey. They Mm. don't do that. What's the point? Yeah. Although now I'm feeling like Richard, um, when All Time Low didn't do the, the drum beat. Exactly, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we have other covers to uncover. Yes. For this. None of which I've researched ahead of time. So we're so, going to take a quick pause. Yes. The neighbor said she moved away. Funny how it rained all day. Didn't think much of it then, but it's starting to all make sense. Oh, I can see now that all of these clouds are following me in my desperate endeavor to find my whoever, wherever she may be. Shall we get going? I've already pressed record because I wanted to catch some bass interlude from Richard, if he'll give me permission to post it. Sorry, some basic what? (laughs) We're being some real basic bitches. I'm being a real little stinker. I pressed record early to catch some of your bass playing. Oh, nice. Now you get to feel what Emma gets to feel every week when I start the episode early. (laughs) Mid-conversation. So, we have just taken a brief, well, by brief, I mean entirely too long, and that was my fault, break. Was it like an hour? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I hope you didn't have, like, any other specific plans today, because we have ruined them for you. Not really. Oh, I'm having boy. a very vague weekend, so. I feel like I'm just having a very vague existence at the moment, so this is yeah. just swings and roundabouts. Um. All right, so yeah, we took a break, we went through the covers, we've done our research, we've discovered things we didn't know before we delved into the covers, so it's been a bonding experience for all. First cab off the rank, Taylor Swift, our girl, um, she did a cover, well, I guess it would have just been around the time, like it was when she was still relatively early in her career, wasn't it? 
I think it was for a, like an iTunes live exclusive EP, like live from Soho oh. in 08, I want to say. Oh, wow. Yeah. Maybe a seven. It was like a one, like a 90 minute, a 90 second version of it. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 90 minute version. <laughs> yeah. That would be that. so great. She was just a punisher. She's yeah. been taking inspiration from Bellwitch. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel strongly towards it. This is the epitome of, and when I looked at covers of Umbrella, she's just a, she's doing a wigwag right there. Mm. Yeah. To go back to an old term. It's it's interesting only so much as um, showing you that she had an interest in pop music even early on. It just took her a while to be able to like embrace it. Yeah. 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 True. That is all. Sam, do you have any specific thoughts about it? Well, yeah, it's, it's a very, it's a very white rendition of Umbrella. There's also a Mandy Moore cover that was semi big and sounds identical to that. So, huh? Okay. Yeah. Well, it sounds identical to Taylor Swift or Real. very similar to Taylor's. Yeah. Huh. Oh wow! The more you know. Hmm. Um. Do we want to talk about Mike Shinoda, although this just feels more like him dicking around on stage, according to the run sheet and everyone's opinion, I think. Yeah, it was just like he was he was on stage um, with, you know, obviously Lincoln Park, because mm. Chester is uh, pumping him up. Who wants Mike to sing a little song for him? <laughs> I think you they want to be serenaded by your beauty and your talents. You were like a glorious unicorn from the heavens. Gilded rainbows. <laughs> Alright, now you now you fuck me up. I just figured this one out the other day. I figured it out in the car actually when we were riding to the venue. Do you know which one it is? And you guys gotta help me on this shit. When the sunshine will shine together, told you I'll be here forever. You can stand on a na 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 na. You can stand on a
Literally, he's just doodling on a piano and, um, yeah, he sings a little bit of this. He, like, to a point, like, he literally at parts he doesn't know the lyrics to because he's, like, going, uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs> yeah. I, man, like, it's still more or less the same. Like, watching this and, like, a few of the other sort of, like, DIY-ish kind of videos, like... I don't miss that era of, like, very much, like, being into the idea of, like, film a concert, film songs, and then upload them for everyone else to listen to, because it's just never the same. Like, it takes away from the experience for you, the resulting video is not good, and it just, I don't know, like, it was cute, but it's also just like, okay... (laughs) I mean, I guess unless it's like, unless you're capturing something, and I don't know why my brain went to something sinister, but like, you know, if you're capturing, say, you know, the old front man from Pantera, Phil Anselmo, do a white power salute and scream white power on stage, then pull out your mobile phone and and record that shit so Mm. that they can't get away with it. Um, mm. that one still kind of burns. I seriously considered removing my Pantera tattoo at that point, but it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. But then, like, their songs aren't about, you know, mm. white supremacy. He's, he's yeah. said, like, I don't want to say he's redeemed himself, but he's said, like, less stupid shit in the most which, recent years, at least. Which is kind of like, but it could just also be the Hulk Hogan apology, which is, I'm sorry I got caught. <laughs> I think it's a bit better than that. He's a little bit more self-awareness, but yeah. Mm. But then, like, I mean, one of Dimebag Daryl's signature guitars was the Dean with the Confederate flag. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Which, at that point, I, don't, I mean, I don't really know too much about American history, but at that point, it was more a symbol of I'm from the South yeah. than this is I, a hate flag. I would say it was still stigmatized then, but if you oh, lived yeah, in the yeah. South and were white, you probably just, you may or may not have really thought about it critically. Yeah. 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 Um. Back back to Lincoln Park. I will say they are one of the few bands I regret never getting to see. I know, especially in this era, like oh eight to eleven or so. Yeah, I saw them in inverted commas at Soundwave, but nice. even then, like I wasn't like I was fully taking for granted that they were there. Like I wasn't yeah. fully engaging. I'd sort of aged past being super into their music, and then obviously when Chester died, that's when I was like, oh shit, like they were incredible. Mm-hmm. And you... I kind of slept on everything past Meteora. It's going to sound like a silly question, but when you see a band at a festival, do you consider like, do you consider that you've seen them or do you, is it more like, I feel like there's music snobs out there that are like, well, you didn't see them do their own show. So you didn't really see them. You saw if, them at a festival. Personally, if I see at least one song in full, then I'll, Put it on setlist.fm, like I'll log it. Yeah, yeah, that's excellent. I yeah, I I count it, but also I tend to forget those ones the most. Like, mm. say a while ago, mm. and I was like, oh, I've seen Placebo X amount of times. And I was like, oh wait, no, I saw them at that festival as well. It was this amount. Like, there's just something about the mishmash of different artists. It doesn't quite feel like unless it was like the headliner set at a festival. 
Yeah, it does, that definitely has a different feel to it, I guess. But I, I mean, I've seen The Black Dahlia Murder, I think, five times. And I consider the two times I've seen them at Soundwave to be, you know, a part of that. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. What is next? So, next up on the list we have... So, I, technically a cover, but we had to include it because... Yeah, as our run sheet says, honestly, the most culturally significant version. So Spider-Man himself, Tom Holland, did a performance of this on that TV show Lip Sync Battle, which it it still does my head in that that's a show. Like, it makes perfect sense that it is, but also, why does this exist? But anyway. It's, yeah, a a vehicle for celebrities to be more celebrity. (laughs) But, um... Literally last night, like in anticipation of precipitation and also this episode, (laughs) um, yeah, Richard and I were talking about Tom Holland and like, oh yeah, like we'll talk about this cover or like this performance, it's really good. I've, like, I don't have any beef with him, I just never understood Tom Holland as like a pop culture, like, figurehead or like a... Spider-Man, like, that's, that's what's... You know, got him in the pop culture Rubicon. Yeah, but like, if you're not a Marvel or a DC head, then I don't like. I don't care. Yeah, but there's enough nerds out there that are like, oh, I want to see Spider Man. I know, but like, for someone like me, mm. yeah, yeah, then I get that. So yeah, I was sort of like, truly don't get it. But I was literally just like, hollering watching that video just mm. before. Like, it's just. So good. Like, obviously we can't play it here because it's just the same audio, but, like, do yourself a favour and have a look because the choreo is on point. Like, he's essentially dressed in drag, but, like, not in a ha-ha way. Like, it's just... No. Like... It's just very sincere and very Yeah. That's what I like. That's it. Like, he's committed to the bit. It's not being played for, like campy points with like a sinister undertone like it's just he loves the song it's an iconic moment from rihanna and the recreation of it is like on point because it i'm going to another one of the lip sync battles which was the i can't remember which song it was but it was the beyonce song that channing tatum did and channing tatum dressed uh, up yeah and that kind of felt yeah. like ha ha channing tatum's in a dress a dress <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, I mean, Beyonce got on stage with him and did it, so, like, whatever. But, mm. like, yeah, this doesn't feel like ha-ha Tom Holland's in a corset. It's just, like, you know, seems pretty fucking comfortable in it, and he's rocking out in it. Yeah. I don't know. It. Oh, man, I was so impressed. Mm. Like, I am 100% on the Tom Holland train just for that alone. Yeah, maybe we need to see some other stuff that isn't Spider-Man. Like, because he's, like, there are other things out there that he's done. That have garnered some uh, good reviews, I think. But, yeah. 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 This video just pops up on Twitter like every three months or so, and like everyone yes. just retweets it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Every time. He's British, isn't he? Is he British? I think so. He looks British. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he looks like a weedy British kid who has a frog in his mouth. Who has a frog in his mouth? Even he's. I think he said like, "Yeah, I see it. I can. I, I see it." But no, I, yeah, very endearing. Like, I can totally see how he's, like, a good guy of that whole Marvel-y sort of thing. 
yeah, I can see why the sort of nerd culture sort of likes him. Mm. He's, yeah, he seems like he's very likable. Yeah. Spider-Man. And it's also, but it's also that thing of like, because the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man was not well received. So this time around, it's like, oh, we actually like the Spider-Man movies again? Mm. Oh, he's part of that? Oh, okay. Remember when um Nickelback... And Hero was like the Spider-Man song. It was, wasn't it? Actually, it was um, Saliva Chad, featuring Chad Kroger featuring Josie Scott. Ah. Wait, so which was it? Was it, was it Chad Kroger and yes. Josie Scott doing their own song without their respective bands? Or correct? Ah, shit. That that song was just like on constant loop for a couple of years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In lieu of not having an actual cover to play, I'm going to put that in there. <laughs> in- <laughs> I'm so high, I can hear ever. I'm so high, I can hear ever. You're welcome, everyone, because that song fucking slaps. You know what, though? Like, they, I don't, I feel like for, there was like, two, three, four, five, six, seven other Spider-Man movies after that. I'm not kidding. That's not all Tobey Maguire, but like, it feels like that's the Spider-Man anthem, though. It doesn't feel yeah. like there's another song to another one of the Spider-Man movies. It's like, oh, yeah, that's Spider-Man. It's like, you hear heroes and you're like, oh, yeah. That's Spider-Man. That's the Spider-Man song. I mean, like, Sunflower by Post Malone makes me think of Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. But fuck, that... Oh, man, we should watch that again. That was a good movie. Oh, a really great movie. movie. Speaking of iconic, and this is Last Cab off the... Oh, that's not even the right fit. Anyway, last but not least, that's a good idiom to use here. Um, Did not know this existed until Richard found it for us, so I am grateful to you because it is going to be on high rotation for me i think uh the one and only travis barker the everyman of pop punk and pretty much everything else adjacent to it (laughs) and not even adjacent um he did a remix of umbrella and it is so so sick
I mean, sure. <laughs> what do you guys think? <laughs> well, I, I think because it's funny because I literally said earlier on, if Travis Barker was doing this, you would get that that feel. But I mean, it's not a pop punk version of this. It's still it's still Umbrella by Rihanna. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, of course it has like his little intricacies, the little fills and everything to it. And yeah, it just gives it that, that sort of oomph. Um, yeah, it's got his signature drum sound and it kind of just works, you know? Yeah. Mm. Like, you know, it doesn't change much, but just the feel is like altered ever so slightly. Yeah. I think just the way he beefs it up as well with the guitars and everything, mm. like even just the little like crunchy, like, and like where those snare hits are in the verses. Like, it's just like, oh, so good. Yeah. I am obsessed with it. I rate it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was just saying off mic, like, Travis Barker needs to really beef up his production credits because he's so, he just, he gets it. Mm. Have you heard like, his solo album? Uh... Give the drummer some? Yeah. Um, I think I tried to listen to it, but I wasn't fully in the right headspace for mm. it. Um, I think, like, I, yeah, I sort of have, like, a it, like a sort of on-off thing with Travis. Like, yeah. at times I feel like he's sort of overexposed. But then other times, like, he just does what he does so beautifully that it makes sense. Like, I am going to be, like, ragging on about how good Tickets to My Downfall is. Like, it's just... That's what Blink One Eighty Two should be now, but they're not. Mm. And he just nailed it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I get that. Yeah, yeah. So like, but then, yeah. On the other hand, there'll be times where it's just like, oh, and Travis is on that. Why? But like, he's yeah, he's like, I guess very business savvy if you want to look at it in a sort of jaded way. But um, yeah, I just I like that he just has fun with it, and he'll he's sort of down for whatever. Down, 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 down. Yeah, his iPod must be just just full of different stuff. <laughs> just everything would be so different. I like the idea that he still has has an iPod yeah. in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> that, would, that would explain the, uh, the face tattoo. <laughs> Any final thoughts about anything that we've talked about today now that we've held Richard hostage for... <laughs> Uh, three hours. Sorry. Richard? Um, I'm hungry. (laughs) (laughs) I want to do that. Um, We haven't had lunch. No. Yeah. Good chat. (laughs) I'm trying to see what um, episode I'll hope to guest on next. (laughs) Well, speaking of looking into the future, while Richard is planning his next move. What are we talking about next week, Samuel? Next week is going to be a spooky episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be talking about the spookiest of punk bands around. Uh, that would be The Misfits and their their song Halloween and Halloween 2. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be one of those ones that's a 0. 0.5 of an episode. It's not going to be a, you know... It isn't canon... Yeah, yeah, it's one of the uh, it's one of the spin-offs. Um, I had an idea for like every Halloween doing something misfits related, and then it was like, nah, I don't want to do that. I'll just do it once. Mm. Um, and you know, 
fitting, we'll be releasing Halloween on October 30th and not 31st. Oh, perfect. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so because it's, it's, um, you know, it's Misfits, they're an influential band and also a bunch of, you know, bands that we talk about or, you know, have listened to, have covered this song. Um, so yeah, Richard, any hot takes on Misfits? No, um, uh, th- there's also a song by Halloween called Halloween, which is kind of oh. iconic yeah. in its own way, a power metal song. <laughs> um, I'm also going to be on uh, a stream of Metallicast Live next, I think Saturday morning, um, our time, but it's going to be themed around like, yeah, metal and horror crossovers and stuff. Like, oh, nice. Yeah, movie, like, soundtrack, needle drops, and stuff like that. So that should be fun. Um, Do you have, like, a URL for that or, like, a website uh, that people can go to? Yeah, to... I'll promote it, and it'll be on, like, YouTube and Facebook Live, so. Awesome. Yeah. We'll make sure to put it up on the socials as well. Yay. Speaking of cross-promotion, anything else you want to plug on your end? Uh, Maybe by next episode, some things will be wrapped up. So, Ooh, yeah. excellent. <laughs> I think we all give both songs a hell yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. hell yeah, or yeah nah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. All right. Excellent. Uh, stay safe, wash your hands, um, be kind, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Leaning now into the breeze, remembering Sunday. He falls to his knees, they had breakfast together But two acts don't last like the feeling of what